0: Welcome to Then, Now, Whatever, the wrestling podcast, episode 15. I'm your host, the Doctor Among Men, Duncan Joyce, and I'm joined as ever by the hardest working Triple H Mark in show business, Mr. Kyle Cambry. Hi. How are you
1: doing?
0: (laughs) All right. How are you doing? Awesome, yeah. I've had a good holiday in America.
2: It's been grand, yeah. Good. That's really good.
0: Well, we've got one more voice to introduce to you today, um, we've got our friend Dave Summerton here. How are you doing Dave? Hi, Steph, thanks for having me. Not a problem,
1: yeah. How's it going? Yeah, good. I've been looking forward to it. nice to talk wrestling with people who have a face and are on the other side.
0: Twitter can get a bit depressing every now and then. Yeah. What got you into wrestling, how long you've been a fan, Like, what's some of the stuff you've been enjoying?
1: A lot, like a lot of other people, I sort of first came into it when I was a kid. So like late 90s, early 90s, Attitude Era, absolutely loved it, like religiously watched it every single week for two or three years and then as I got a bit older, again like a lot of other people, sort of just it becomes a little bit less cool then and sort of phase out and then I think it was around about Wrestlemania 22 or 23 and I sort of got back into it slowly but surely, watching it again and again and then with Kyle. We started like doing Royal Rumbles, doing WrestleManias, and watching them, and that was when it sort of picked up again. When I get into something, I really get into it. Mm-hmm. So then I was watching any sort of wrestling that I could get hold of. That was when I started watching New Japan, and then about 12 months ago, with the United Kingdom Championship, started watching Progress, and that was when it sort of really got hold of me again, and it was something that I was like massively into. Ah, yes.
0: Yeah, so I was going to ask you since that's our subject for today. Like, so you became aware of progress through
1: the WWE
0: UK stuff then?
1: Yeah, I think I'd heard a bit before, but it was more like... British wrestling to me at that time was like the World of Sports stuff from years ago. So it was like not really what I was more interested in. And having heard about that and then the wrestlers that they they brought out for the United Kingdom Championship, championship, I was like, right, I need to know who these people are to get me more invested. I I don't like going in cold, I Mm. like knowing who's going to be there, I like knowing what they're about. So that was when I started. Then started from chapter one, and it just grabbed me straight away. Absolutely loved it.
0: I went all the way back to chapter one because this is the first time I've been subscribed to Demand and Progress, mm. and I'm up to the uh, the Bricks and the Academy show now. You can go back and listen to our uh, World of Sport episode. and You can find out more about how me and Kyle became aware of the scene. And
2: yeah, that. there's a lot of lot of good British stuff coming out now. I think having the UK Championship kind of injected it a little bit, especially in the US anyway, getting Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate, Trent Seven, all them guys over there, it kind of boosted that up a lot. And I think like the US market are enjoying progress, because they've done a few shows in the US now, haven't they? Progress? They've been over there and done... Yeah, done they did, did,
1: WrestleMania weekend, yeah. and they've done their own. They've got, next year, they've got the first chapters... Official chapters over in the States, and that's New Orleans, in then next year. Yeah, that's Super right, yeah. Early. They're
0: doing the Thunder Bastard match at one of the shows as well, yeah. which is kind of like their Royal Rumble slash Scramble match.
2: Yeah.
0: I think they did not SummerSlam weekend, but the weekend before as well in New York and Boston, like along the East Coast. Yeah, it seems to be like a good way to get notoriety because, like, I was thinking I was at Future Shock on Sunday and James Drake was performing there and thinking, this lad was like in front of like sixteen thousand people at the M E N and now, you know, you can go to see him yeah. at a, a relatively local indie show and see him put people in
2: bins, which is cool. <laughs> What's the Future Shock show's like in comparison, you know, to another UK show? It's fairly similar. Future Shock's a
0: family friendly show, so there's less cunting and fucking Yes. Okay. Um, (laughs) But I mean, it's still good fun. Like similar sort of layout. You still like have that sort of more intimate environment. Yeah, it's quite easy to get chants started and like feel more involved. And like wrestlers pick out particular people in the crowd to interact with, and it was all good fun.
1: Got to see Jay Lethal. And get a picture with. Got a picture of him in the ring. Yeah. yeah. Which is so cool. They've got a show in December, are not they? Manchester. And Will Ospreay is going to be at that one. Yeah, that's that right. One yeah, one of his only appearances. Like, I'm a massive Will Ospreay fan. Mm-hmm. absolutely love him. So I'm considering at the minute whether or not it's going to be worth going down there just to see him. The guy's facing, Xander Cooper, he's getting a,
0: a fairly big reputation for these matches. He's always the one that they have their big import, so to speak, face. So like he fought Pete Dunne. Hmm. Last time he was at Future Shock and he was the one fighting Jay Lethal on Sunday. So, yeah, he just, I think that would be a quality match for sure. So as we mentioned earlier, today's episode is all going to be about Progress Wrestling. If you heard any of our episodes previously made mention of the UK scene, such as our World of Sport episode or our two episodes based around the WWE UK division, you probably have heard that name crop up a heck of a lot but you might not necessarily know that much about it. So I've got a very brief primer for you here, just in case. So the first show the promotion ran was held on March 25th, 2012. It was founded by Jim Smallman and John Briley, who both work in comedy, and is now also co-owned by Glenn Joseph, who's an actor who predominantly works in theatre. They're based in London, and they're now also running shows in Manchester, Birmingham and Sheffield. They a promotion that emphasised local talent, a strong style work rate, as well as a homely, cheeky atmosphere at the shows themselves with co-owner Jim Smallman emceeing the show and sharing some patter with fans, and the fans being equally interactive with the wrestlers themselves. The promotion's been growing year by year. Their initial shows were run at a 350-seater venue called The Garage. Within two years, they moved to the venue that is now associated as their home ground, the Electric Ballroom in Camden. And again, shows sold out quicker and quicker each time. It's now got to the point where next September, they'll be running a show in Wembley Arena, which is roughly 10,000-seat arena. This is fitting a pattern that they've had in previous years where they've held their biggest ever show in September. So in 2016, they held a show in Brixton Academy for around... 2400 fans this past september they ran alexandra palace and in may they'll be running a series of shows over the first bank holiday weekend in that venue as well now my first show was chapter 26 unknown pleasures which was held on valentine's day in 2016 as you probably heard me mention before on previous episodes i've been going ever since Kyle's been unable to go because of work commitments, but that all changed when he became a full-time teacher. So we're going to look at the first progress show that we were actually able to see live together, which is Chapter 57, Enter Smiling, which happened on November twelfth, two 2017 from the Ritz in Manchester. We open, as we usually do, with co-owner Jim Smallman in the ring, accidentally turning the crowd against the non-Mancunians in attendance, quipping, I immediately regret my decision. And he interviewed some newbies in the crowd, he started doing this fairly regularly now. The first two people he interviewed were also called Jim.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was really weird.
0: And the second Jim was from Leicester as well, just like him. <laughs> and then the third person was called Dan! Yeah. Dan! Dan! <laughs>
1: I'm still not sure whether he knew what was going on when everyone started chanting I'm still, I'm still convinced he had no idea.
0: There's someone that, um, at one of the other shows, like people just started chanting name and he was like, you've not joined the
1: cult, love, it's fine. And then everyone started chanting, one of us, one of us. It's great. That is one of my favourite things, especially with British wrestling in general, much, much better with the chanting. And I think that obviously comes from the football side of things. But if you go back to like, the early progress shows... Some of the chants that are started there, just off insignificant nothing things, are just great and it really does add to the atmosphere in there as well.
0: Well, I think a lot of that's informed from obviously John and Jim, their background's in comedy, and like the layout of the show is much more relaxed and informal, and you know, I think that tends to inform the wrestling sometimes as well. Definitely. Like one of the early chapters I was seeing, Jimmy Havoc was wrestling like determined to show that he's a, a, a straight wrestler like you know a, a technical wrestler and Jim was like like Jimmy you fucking behave now <laughs> and then it turned out he, he was trying to sneak a spoon into the match Yeah. so fans were year. chanting spoon him up Jimmy spoon him up <laughs> and then him and his opponent actually wound up spooning in the match like then holding <laughs> each other it was great
2: being in the Ritz in general what do you make of it as a venue it's a great venue really good venue like even on the balcony, you, you seem like you're so close to the ring. I don't know what the health and safety is like in there, but there's quite a few spots that you could do off the balcony which would look quite sweet.
0: You don't see that anymore because there was one balcony dive off of an electric ballroom show quite early on, and they're like no, please don't do that again. <laughs> <laughs> so we have not done that again since. But yeah, like when I started going, I'd just get a general admission standing ticket and go up on the balcony. The views are great and I just stopped doing that because like, I started to get to know people at the show and it was just easier for me to be sociable if I had a seat. Yeah, Dave, what do you think?
1: Yeah, absolutely love it. It's great, especially with the changing setup because obviously the Ritz is a, a, primarily a music venue mm. so the changing the set with the ring in the middle is great. Everywhere gets a great view. We had this conversation before I even started about anywhere you're in there, you're close to the ring, you're close to it, you can see everything that's going on and it just makes it miles better. Absolutely. You feel less disconnected from it.
0: Our opening contest of the day was Jimmy Havoc and Mark Haskings, accompanied by Vicky Haskins and a barbed wire baseball bat, taking on Jack Sexsmith and a mystery partner in a tag team match. Just in case any of these names aren't familiar to you, so Havoc and Haskings, they're both former progress champions. And in fact, Jimmy is the longest reigning progress champion in history with a reign of 609 days. They actually fought each other in a death match at the Alexandra Palace show but they united together and turned heel at chapter 56 under the tutelage of Vicky and they beat up Smith to do that. Jack Smith is a graduate of what's affectionately known as the Projo, the Progress Wrestling School, it's now no longer affiliated with the promotion. I think it goes under the name Knuckle Locks Wrestling School now. Jimmy Havoc was one of his principal trainers. So Jack cuts a promo about how he's now realised there's no friends in wrestling, but luckily there's family and you can rely on your brothers, or more likely your bros. (laughs) Cue his mystery tag team partner, Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle is a former MMA fighter and probably more likely know him from the WWN promotions. He's a former WWN champion and he's a former Progress Atlas champion, which is their... Championship for super heavyweights, in effect, guys over 205 pounds
1: Yeah, great surprise I love this, I was, I think I popped so hard for this, when looking at the card I was like oh, it's a shame there's no Matt Riddle and then he comes out and he just has, I think he's got everything that he needs to be successful he's got the look, he's got the the ability he's so athletic but he's also he can throw a man 15 feet across the ring without really putting too much effort into it I'm not a massive fan of Jack Sexton, but I'm slowly coming round to him. I think Super Strong Style, he put some really good matches together. I think one of them was with Zach Gibson, one that mm. had Super Strong Style, and then Zack Sabre Jr. the next day. And even in losing, he put on some really, really good shows, and he's got that underdog mentality to it. I think that really, really helps him. I think he's definitely come on quite a lot from this time last year. What them two together was, it's uh, uh, sexy bros. The sexy was, bros. It's a great tag team, tag
2: team there. I always find it really strange to see someone with no boots on in a wrestling ring. Yes. Like how do they have to train differently, or you know, like doing moves and stuff? Is it because I'm sure that wearing boots and not wearing boots, there's still some change in how you would do certain stuff.
0: Yeah, probably. I, it's probably to try and help the transition because obviously he's coming from the mixed martial arts world Yeah, Jack
1: usually wrestles in his Uggs and he took them off in the match in uh, Solidarity he uses a weapon up on stage as well I seem to remember I'm sure yes! Jimmy Havoc threw Uggs at him which...
0: yeah Jimmy Havoc got hit right <laughs> in the face of an Ugg <laughs> so yeah the sexy bros do their pose and they get attacked by the heels Jimmy Havoc winds up biting Matt Riddle's toes grim hell of a taste the heels gain control with loads and loads of stiff strikes I mean
1: the way strikes and stuff reverberate in venues like this is just great yeah, there's no way of it ever getting across on TV how loud it is in mm-hmm. person and I think like the first time I ever saw a live show the thing that shocked me was the impact even just on the mat he's, he's ten times louder than you would, it sounds on TV and the slaps You wince just being sat in the same room was it Uh, They just... They they sound horrible.
0: There's a lot of that coming up on this show, especially. Our commentary team for this are Progress co-owner Glenn Joseph and Matt Richards. I thought Richards did a really good job putting over the heels work in this match. Saying how they're not just isolating Jack from his partner, but they're disorientating him, like taking him corner to corner, so he don't know where he's at. Yeah. And Glenn calls the heels... The ironic three H's of Haskins, Havoc, and Haskins. Free H's. Yeah. You know, not gonna go for them? with <laughs> the
2: No, I'm not. I'm gonna calm down. It's this is a progress episode. Oh but, really? Uh, oh, you yeah. Know. Although I do, <laughs> I do have it saved up. There's a bit where I can bring it in, but not yet. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll see how I that always, goes. I always <laughs> finding a way to mention <laughs> Triple H. Oh, we've, we've done it now.
0: <laughs> yeah. Jack kind of fighting spirits out of some of Haskins' kicks and gets a slice bread, which allows him to tag in Riddle, which cues lots of kicks, suplexes, and Spandau Ballet sings, uh, sing-alongs. <laughs> he does his great back sent on, on both lads. The amount of height he gets on that, just from being on the ground, is incredible. Mm. He sweeps Haskins up for a power bomb and a Fishman's Buster for a near fall. Havoc eats the bro to sleep and a jumping DDT by Jack. Then Haskins takes a Doomsday Device variant, but Havoc breaks up the fall and absolutely wallops Jack into the sound booth wall. The heels tape Matt Riddle to a ring post, eventually. Yeah, that
1: took forever. <laughs> I noticed on the edit that it was a lot easier for them on that one. Yeah. I know if there was right in front of us one then, it took a good... Couple of minutes of tape breaking. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's again. Definitely <laughs> missing again. from the
0: edit. Because <laughs> I noticed there was no shit tape no fans chance. <laughs> Jack fights valiantly, but winds up getting double teamed lots. And his sliced bread is countered into a strong zero variant. And then he eats a Death Valley Driver from Havoc, a double stomp, and a super kick acid rainmaker combo, and gets put away for the three. So Haskins and Havoc win
1: this match. Your thoughts on this? I really enjoyed it. I did like the fact that it took so much to put him away in the end, because I think it's easy, especially when he's up with someone like Matt Riddle. It's easy for him to sort of get forgotten about. But I thought it was it was a good showing from from everyone in that one. Mm-hmm. It, it progressed everything really well. I
0: see what he did there, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Kyle. Yeah, I agree. It was a great match to
2: start everything off, and it just made you kind of get into the progress feel of everything. The two. Tag teams work well together. Nice little spots here and there. I say this on a few episodes how I quite like the the thinking side of it and not just the wrestling. So how they split the partners up and you know made sure that there was a story there to tell. You know, uh, we'll tape someone down there so then we've got time to beat up someone else. And yeah, it was good.
0: Yeah, this was a match. It really hinged on the comeback from the Sexy Bros, and luckily it was very very good. It had the right result riddle was a really nice surprise like this is one of the best things about progress signing out so quickly now they can like half announce things and then there's like oh it's a surprise and you know it makes you feel really good about the card and yeah jack's really starting to come along as a performer now like washing the naughty act tag off him i don't know if you guys heard this but when the bad guys were making their way out somebody near us flipped off Mark Haskins and Haskins went, don't suck your mother's dick! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> just, Haskins, when, he, when he's a heel, he has this really, really, like, go all in, like, Nick Gage. Like, motherfucker, I'm going to fucking fuck you up, bitch! And
1: just <laughs> profanity galore. Just trying so hard. I think you can tell that it's more fun to be a heel. A lot of people say that. I think Jimmy Havoc said it before now, is that it's more fun being a heel. Because you just get to be a dick, and the whole your job is basically just to be a dick, yeah. and you can say pretty much whatever you want without many repercussions. Because that's just you're just doing your job. You're just doing what you're supposed to be doing.
2: Whereas well, a face, you you kind of have to put more effort in to get the crowd to like you. Yeah. <laughs> Match number two sees Doug Williams
0: taking on Joe Coffey. Doug is an absolute institution in British wrestling. A 25 plus year career. North American fans will probably know him best from his time in TNA. He's an ex-division champion for a while. Coffee is in here as a last-minute replacement for Wolfgang, who was injured. So these are two lads that have been away for a great while in terms of progress, so they get a welcome-back chance. There's lots of good, really cleanly counted chain wrestling at the start here. And they both have stalemates with arm drags, drop kicks, clotheslines and big boots just leads to more big strikes, and Doug getting backdropped on the floor. That wooden floor when someone takes a bump on it, it
1: just, oh.
2: Well, I always cringe at the, on the floor with the mats in the WWE, mm. so doing it on a wooden floor. Jesus.
1: <laughs> yeah, there was another one I bumped a bit later on that was similar to it. There's no way of making that not painful. Mm. Yeah. No.
0: Doug hit a great second row uppercut and a belly-to-belly. Then Joe gets a shotgun drop kick and catches Doug out of midair with a German for two. The chaos theory is blocked and coffee hits a great double jump crossbody, but then he eventually eats a chaos theory anyway, but he only gets two. Doug blocks a discus lariat with a freaking tornado DDT. I did not expect that. <laughs> like a veteran British wrestler, like, yeah, I'm just spinning DDT, you mate. Joe roll- rolls away from the top rope knee drop. And after a brief striking exchange, gets a discus lariat to get the win. A Cracking match, I thought. Lots of great strikes and just had a simple back and forth story with Doug being the veteran trying to keep up with the younger guy. What do you guys
2: think? It was an okay match. I have something against the big guys wrestling against each other. Mm -hmm. Just the whole, let's hold, let's work each other over, let's hold, let's work each other over, let's hold doesn't do much for me. I'd rather it be a, a full-on fight. No, it it was a good match. It, you know, it wasn't a match where I'd well oh, you know, didn't need to be on the card. But I just, it just wasn't for me, that was all.
1: Okay. Yeah. Uh, I actually enjoyed this one more than I thought I would. It, it felt like an older style match. I thought you had, in the in the match before, you'd had like the throwing them into the walls and then all the other sort of the gimmick mm. stuff. And I thought this was a really good, just basic match. But I thought both of them Work really really well. If I'm moving as well as Doug Williams does at forty five, I'll be happy (laughs) because he he really really went for it in this match. The uppercut off the second rope was great. I loved the little back and forth between them, and then with the the ending with the spinning lariat. I thought neither competitor came out badly out of it, and obviously I think it'll probably build to something maybe in the future with Doug. I think is he not scheduled for another. Progress match at some point in the future, anyway. It's like an open invitation, um, isn't it? Yeah, like yeah. That.
0: Well, so, he hints at the end of this match, saying, that, "Oh, I don't know if I can do this anymore." Um, then, lo and behold, at the upcoming chapter show in Sheffield, he's got an open challenge coming up. A that would be exciting. So, who comes back? Yeah.
1: I'd, I'd love uh, Rampage Brown to come back for that. Oh, one. Rampage, that'd been be ages yeah. He's not been here for a, for a long time. Uh, big Lads Wrestling is great. <clears> so, <throat> anyone. I brilliant.
0: Yeah, I mean, as much as I like Wolfgang, I think I enjoyed this match much more than if it had been Wolfgang in the match. Yeah, like, yeah, Joe's a bit more of a fresher face in terms of like it's been nearly a year since he was in progress. I think like the last, the final chapter show of 2016 in Manchester was the last time he showed up.
2: See, the, the thing with Wolfgang though is that he he will go out of his comfort zone of being a big guy wrestler you know yeah just for sure doing where you know we saw it in the uk championships where he he did the, the jumps off the turnbuckle and you know stuff like that so i think that he can adapt differently to how others would be in that match mm-hmm. that's all but it, it was still 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 a good match you know i'm not taking away from both competitors i'm just saying that for my point of view it wasn't for me that was all yeah our third match is a Fatal
0: 4-Way number one contenders match for the Progress Women's Championship. The contenders are Alex Windsor, Candy Floss, Ginny and Dahlia Black. This is Candy Floss's main chapter debut and apparently she's only 17?
2: Jesus Christ, she's only 17? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What the <laughs>
0: fuck? <laughs> wow. There's all these really young people in British wrestling as well, like Millie McKenzie... Works for Fight Club Pro a lot. She's, I'm sure she's only 17
1: still as well. And... It, doesn't do, it doesn't do anything to make us feel any better about ourselves. <laughs> 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 oh, man.
0: Shit. Yeah, Ginny is, for me, one of the standout graduates of the Progress Dojo. She's been a staple of the women's division in Progress, delivering loads of great matches. And she was trained primarily by Jimmy Halleck. And there's lots of great little hints of that in her offence and the the style and stuff. She's really aggressive. Dahlia Black, for me, her rivalry with Pollyanna and her intergender tag team with TK Cooper have been one of the highlights of the Manchester shows for me. And one of the big reasons that I've kept coming back. The women's champion, Tony Storm, is on commentary for this match as well. Dahlia and Ginny, they have this big rivalry going on. So Ginny and Dahlia were in a match scene, I think it was a New York show, and Ginny attacked Dahlia's recently injured leg a bit too much. And so that kind of like caused a tear in the friendship. So they both went at it really, really aggressively in this match. They were brawling everywhere while the other two women were wrestling in the ring. I
2: quite liked that. Yeah, I did as well. The, the, when
1: you get anything with more than two, and it's difficult because someone's always going to end up having to lie on the floor and pretend that they're not there for a significant amount of the match. Yeah, but I thought I really liked it how with those two going off, keeping them two separate, it then allowed Candyfloss and Alex Windsor to sort of not steal the show but have their own match within a match. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was really really good way of being able to show off. I thought Candyfloss did really really well considering it was a main chapter debut. And I thought it was a really good way of showing off those two on their own. Because everyone knows the story already with Ginny and Dahlia. Yeah. Everyone knows what they're about. Everyone knows that it's gonna to lead to something else. I know they had the match at the next chapter in the, at the ballroom. So it was good to sort of still give those people the opportunity and be able to have their own story within that match.
0: Yeah, for sure. Candy Foss had a couple of great spots around arm bars in
1: this match. Yeah, there was really, one really was that spinning D D T into an arm bar.
2: Yeah, the Lamistica. Another positive thing about the split, though, is that normally when you get the split, it's the the two people that are out of the match, if you will. They're just doing the slow beats, and the, you know they're just in a corner where they were just off and throwing people through chairs. And, yeah. You know, while the other match was going on, so it was like there was two matches going on, which doesn't normally happen. It's just two kind of hide away for a bit while the other two fight. Whereas this was just. Like two matches in one, which helped as well. For sure, yeah.
0: Eventually, Ginny and Dahlia realise, oh shit, should probably stop this armbar now, and they come back in and they do a wheelbarrow DDT double team on Candy, but then they get back to brawling pretty quickly. Ginny ends up doing a dive on everyone, but her acid Raymaker is countered with an armbreaker by Candy Floss, who eats a blue thunder bomb by Alex Windsor, who eats a spinning kick by Dahlia. Windsor then, there's a Tower of Doom spot to take out Dahlia and Ginny. And then flattens Candy with a clothesline and a slightly boxed, packaged DDT thing to get the win and become the number one contender. Yeah, so Alex Wendell wins this match. What did you make of it?
2: I really, really enjoyed it. I don't really know much about the Women of Progress. So for me, it was quite fresh going into this. I just wanted to see what each were about yeah and I was just really impressed with how how the match was built and how you had two competitors that went off and the you know they did their thing actually women matches are now much better and much much more story based than some of the male matches and that's that's what we need now we need this influx of of high high quality and high profile women 's matches because there are that Sort of competitor out there, and it's now trying to bring that through and push, if you will. Mm.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I had a lot of fun with this as well. With, like the aggression from Darley and Ginny was
1: really much appreciated. There's um, some really stiff shots in this match as well. Absolutely. I noticed that watching that back today, I noticed there's a lot of, especially between Ginny and Darley a lot of stiff shots in that and that I really really like that I love Strong Sight
0: absolutely yeah and Candy Floss as well did pretty well you can tell she still needs a bit of work on her footwork and stuff like she pulled up a bit short with her drop kicks and things like yeah. that but I mean for a debut and her uh, age is great I mean if you're really into women's wrestling I'd definitely recommend Progress did a all women's tournament called Revelations of Divine Love that's on their Demand Progress service mm. eight women tournament yeah, lots of good stuff there. Millie McKenzie, as I mentioned, was in that show. So was Candy Floss and Ginny and Charlie Morgan, Charlie Evans. Lots of newish and notable upcoming names in, the, in women's wrestling. Dave, any other thoughts? Uh, nothing
1: of? to add up, really. I, again, just enjoyed the match. Yeah. Um, I've said I love the, the splitting of the four of them to give an essentially, like Kyle said, two matches in one. They are doing really well with the women's division at the minute. I think they need to as well, because obviously with Tony Storm being the first. Champion, they need to sort of bring some prestige to that belt. And I, I would imagine that in the future, that we might see Ginny as the champion. It'll be good to see the chase. I, I'm hoping that the way it will go is that we'll then have Dahlia chase for the title, mm-hmm. and then that'll be a really good story, I think, to, for both of them to, to feed into. Because Ginny's really, really good as a heel. I think there's some certain people who are naturally a face or naturally a heel, and as we'll get on to in the next match, I think. Sometimes it's nice to have that change and nice to have them flip around. Yeah, and see how they run with it. And I think as a heel, like I said, with Jimmy, probably coming from having trained, being trained by Jimmy, is that she she knows exactly what she's doing. She knows how to get a crowd worked up. She knows even with her actions, everything that she does is is that of a heel. And I and I love that about her.
0: I think the strength and depth in this division is really really building. Like the chapter after this. There was two featured women's matchups. I'd like to see that a bit more regularly because there's definitely the depth there. On to our final match of this first half of the show. It's another tag team contest. The Grizzle Jung Veterans team of James Drake and Zach Gibson taking on Mustache Mountain, Tyler Bate and Trent Seven. And I was delighted when Mustache Mountain come out with their little dad dance train (laughs) coming
1: through the curtain. It'll never not be funny though. There was there was a gif out within minutes of yeah. that happening, and it's never not gonna make me laugh.
2: So I love it. I mean, <laughs> I I got quite a good video caption of it that I posted on Twitter, but yeah, the official gif that came out was much better. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that was fabulous. Just they were gold coming out here. Like Tyler was trying to slide off the balcony rail and to <laughs> caught him. Um... <laughs> oh. This intro is comedy gold, really. You can just see the look of disgust on Zach Gibson's
1: face. I get this is with like, Ginny. He's a natural heel. Yeah. And especially being a scouser in, in Manchester, you're going to get booed. And this promo before this match is one of the funniest things that I've ever seen everything about it was just great uh-huh. and even with Jim in the ring cracking up and not being able to keep his composure <laughs> I'm sure there was one or two points where even Zach Gibson was struggling keeping a straight face oh, it's because just the, the whole the, the, the bit oh do you want to do it the diva way instead <laughs> opening the bottom ring up the bottom rope up for him was just absolutely hilarious
0: I mean like, even like Zach Gibson's opening gambit it's like look at the fucking state it is <laughs> Uh, so They're basically just ribbing Zach Gibson over the fact that he's the only person in this match without a WWE contract.
2: Yeah.
0: And they're trying to tempt James over to the dark side. Oh, come on, we can suck it, suck it, suck it! <laughs> I'm guessing you're like, pretty fine with it like I was, but WWE being such a heavy theme of this angle like in an independent promotion... I know that's driven certain people away at least. Especially now that Moustache Mountain have only just turned face and they're like, Yeah, we've got WWE contracts, la. We're, we're the cock of the roost, fuck you's lot. And now they're just like, Oh, we're in WWE having a cracking time, lads.
1: It, uh, it's funny because they're essentially the same promos six months ago from six months ago. <laughs> but because they're now faces. You feel fresh, you feel really, really new. But essentially, it's the same thing. We've got WWE contracts. We've got this money from from Triple H. We've got this money from WWE. But I feel like everyone's been wanting to cheer for them for the last six months, I feel like. Especially last year, with everything that's happened, they've needed to turn face at some point because they recognise faces now. When you go to a progress show, one of the matches or one of the, the people that you're looking for are Trent Seven, Tyler Bate, Pete Dunne because they've put on amazing matches on the WWE they've put on amazing matches in progress and that's one of the marquee names that they've got and I think the fact that they now face means they're going to get even better reactions than they were again because they know that everyone wants to cheer for them mm-hmm. so they can just roll with it they, they can have fun with this now Again, that just that that promo before was just. It, I can watch it multiple times and never get bored of it. The one line that got me was, uh, "Come on, colleague, we need to sort out the Christmas party."
2: Christmas <laughs> though. I, I don't think that it should be an issue that there's a WWE central thing within progress because mm. not only is it boosting progress's like reputation, but you've got guys in there that. Uh, contracted to WWE but they're showing that well we're happy to wrestle in progress and we want to be there so why can't we do both and the fans love that as well so I don't I don't see the issue in it it's a plus really as far as I see it
0: I think on the flip side um, someone was looking this whole mess with WWN and Flow Slam lawsuit and things and they were looking at like say the social media responses for WWN promotions from the point that they got the flow slam deal and it all kind of started to tail off which is what you'd probably least expect with them having such a big open platform yeah. but they pointed out well them being on flow slam suddenly made them a bit more toxic in terms of the wwe whereas like in the six months previously they'd had this slight working relationship with them where you know WWE guys were showing up in dark segments for Evolve shows. Evolve's yeah. getting name dropped on WWE.com. They're having cruiserweight qualifier matches and things like that. And yeah. like they lost all that. So you know y- you can see that like it makes it does it makes a difference. And yeah. It, it, you know WWE doesn't have to be the be all and end all, but. At least, you know, there's this acknowledgement that, yeah, okay, this is where we both are in this ecosystem. It's perfectly fine that, you know, we want our guys to be as successful as possible in, like, the biggest places possible. Yeah, I
2: think it's a case of if we help you, you help us. Mm -hmm. So we're happy for you to eventually end up in WWE, but, you know, until that point, you're going to work for us, sort of thing. And it just shows that you know, we we've now got a WWE title match in progress. Mm-hmm. You know that that's coming up soon. So you know, win win. I think.
1: Yeah. I think as long as it doesn't detract from progress, I think it's great. What you don't want to happen is, especially say in Sheffield in a couple of weeks where we've got the WWE title match. Don't want that to distract from Travis and his title reign. And as long as that doesn't happen, as long as you can still keep them as two separate things, I think it's great. I think, like Kyle said, bringing the attention to progress. It's a win-win for them because they're going to make more money off it. They're going to be able to do these big shows like the Wembley show next year, like Three Nights at Ali Pally next year as well for Super Strong Style. I think it really helps them. And it also helps the wrestlers as well because they're not working for WWE full-time. They get to perform in 20,000-seater arenas when the WWE come over and tour over it. And then they're still able to do all their indie shows. And I would imagine their rates have gone up significantly in the last 12 months for, the, for those indie shows. So they're making more money than they have been before. They're also still getting that experience that they're going to need because you don't want everyone in the WWE to be the same, but you also don't want them to have to start again. You'd, like, well, you see the, the, the guys who move up from NXT who sort of have to start all, all over again because what their gimmick or whatever it is doesn't transfer over as well to the main roster. But if you start bringing them in slowly but surely and building up that knowledge and building up that recognition for them, I think that then really helps when they then come to the main roster because they've already got a bit of a following anyway. Mm-hmm. I think as well for progress, if they keep it contained,
2: then it won't detract from any other belts and storylines. So for me, I feel that's why Pete dropped the belt for the progress belt because he knew that he was going to be having a title run with the UK Championship and that way he's not having both belts and the being this sort of well are you progress champion or you, you know you WWE champion so as long as he can keep that contained within the WWE guys and they have their little like we see I don't think it will affect progress mm. so the opening going into this match,
0: the heels jump the faces and Remember this thing where Trent's stuck in a backslide position, but he's able to turn around and make Gibson accidentally chop Drake. (laughs) That was good fun. Oh, the other thing I appreciated about these early goings, did you notice Tyler was trying to keep his towel around his neck? (laughs) Yeah. Every time he did a move, he just moved it back on. (laughs) (laughs) Tyler had some really sort of, he he was like feigning falling asleep during Gibson's provo as well. Yeah that opening promo just magic they're probably like the two best comedy performers in in, in the independent circuit right now because it it doesn't like tarnish their reputations or anything they're just naturally funny yeah
2: I don't even think it's like pantomime comedy it's just they're just taking the piss it's it's not this is a bit OTT they're taking it over the top it's just they're having a good time taking the piss mustache mounting pose after faking a dive and then what's this They get jumped
0: from behind by Joseph Connors. Now we were talking about this earlier.
2: We looked at the Merch stand and you guys thought you saw a familiar face. We're not quite sure, so if it's Joseph Connors' wife, girlfriend, whatever, if anyone who's watching this wants to clear that up for us, we saw her when we was at the UK Championships. And she was screaming to hi, hi, hell.
1: we was, sat right near yeah. as well for both nights. Yeah. It was like, right, so she's obviously something to do with him. Because she seems to be more into him than anybody else in the room. So <laughs> yeah. and then we noticed it, didn't we, Like at the merch stand then? Yeah,
2: and um, we didn't really put two and two together until no. Joseph Connors ran out and was like, oh, all right, yeah. we get it now.
0: <laughs> yeah, I completely didn't, because I'd not seen the previous chapter show yet at this point. So I didn't know, oh, he came out in the last progress show so you know this is a thing now yeah he attacks everyone he talks about going where he wants and he says wow well, dunn might be sunning himself in orlando
2: awkward pause oh wait here comes pete dunn yeah he messed that up surely as a heel you just keep talking until the
1: music interrupts you you, that's, yeah, well, that's it was him. Or woman, woman. Woman. It was John who missed his cue, which I, I don't. I don't see that being the, the case. It was just super awkward. Even watching it back again, and when you know it's coming, <laughs> and you're just waiting for it, and <laughs> those four seconds seem like forever. And what I liked was that people were already chanting Bruiserweight, and I think especially near the it then died down a bit because we were like, oh well, maybe not, and then he started up again. And then the music hit, mm. and it was a it was a great reaction. I thought really really good, one of the best of the night, I think. Again, this whole thing, they they
0: sell anyway. They can hold off announcing some things and leave it for a surprise on the show and boost the atmosphere mm. in there.
2: Yeah, I suppose it's it's their way of thanking the fans, isn't it? As you know, you've sold us out again, right? Who can we get into? Just say thank you. You know, you you were there. This is our treat. They done that a fair
0: few times like one of my favourites was one of the earliest shows I was going to and Marty Girl had an open challenge and Tommy End came out and answered it I'm just going fucking mental because oh Sumerian Death his tag team had just been forced to split up so it's like oh my god he's got to be a singles guy again and he's going for the title and he's fucking awesome
2: <laughs> well talking of Tommy End just really quickly he's doing amazing in NXT absolutely Oh my god, like, his music's incredible, his entrance is incredible, and the stuff that he does is incredible. That Velveteen Dream match. That was great. Oh my
0: word. That was cracking. That was a big test for Dream, like, they're putting him in there with someone that they obviously trust from an in-ring standpoint. Yeah. The chemistry they had together was
2: just fantastic. The whole sitting down (laughs) when they were just staring at each other. Oh my god. But yeah, I I love his work at the moment. It's brilliant. I'd like to see him maybe go for the the belt, if that's a way forward.
0: Mm, Yeah. Keep your eye on NXT the next couple of weeks. Jim officially announces, okay, let's make it a six-man instead. And Tyler dives onto
2: everyone, and then Pete moonsaults onto everyone to the outside. Doing stuff like that and having a contract, I don't know. Is there stuff that you've got to sign, or do you still have free reign of moves that you can do? And because surely, if you injure yourself on an independent, and you've you need to do other work, like how does that work? I mean,
0: WWE seem to think all of their employees are independent contractors anyway, so you well, know they've got to look after them themselves. Sort yourself out. Yeah. yeah. So. Our official fourth match of the evening is now a six-man tag team match. British Strong Style taking on Grizzled Young Veterans and Joseph Connors. And in the opening brawl here, Trent uses someone's
1: purse and a child as weapons. And, and at some point as well, he uses uh, one of the stewards. <laughs> he yeah, he, stu- picks stu- steward. <laughs> he picks up a steward. <laughs> he uses, yeah, yeah. He picks up a steward and then throws him back into the yeah. <laughs> This is what I mean Like with, with people who... Like, I think you can see that they really enjoy themselves being faces now. I think just stuff like that is just, it's nothing in the scheme of the match. It's nothing. But I think at the end of the day, wrestling's about being entertained Mm -hmm. and they are three of the most entertaining people that are going at the minute in terms of being able to put on good matches, but also the other side of things and being able to help you enjoy what it is that you're watching. Their shop as well is like selling
2: out of absolutely everything. So that, again, shows popularity. Yeah, every time they post on Twitter, it's like, oh, we've only got a few left. And you know they'd only tweeted about it maybe a day or two before, and you just think, like, it's incredible. Don't know if you heard
0: that after this match, they went to their booth over intermission, and Jim came back in the ring to start everything up again, and Trent's like, stolen, we got a big queue! <laughs> Trent accidentally chops a post again
1: he's never going to learn from that is he (laughs) yeah Glenn
0: quips when will he learn (laughs) Grizzle doing veterans powerbomb Tyler onto the apron and Connor's power
2: slams Pete onto some chairs and it looks like he might have hurt his arm in that one yeah well I still can't work out did he hurt his arm did he not It was very convincing because everybody
1: came to have a look at him yeah we were saying this at the (laughs) time weren't we like either he's, he's, he's really good at acting and everyone else is too or Someone's going to get in trouble here because you've just injured your United Kingdom champion. I thought it really added something to the match, especially when Pete then came back. Mm. And it's an easy thing. It's something that's been done a lot, but I still think it can be used right. It can be really, really effective. And I thought it helped bring the match together. And I thought it really made it into something more than it it was originally, I think, with all that. Mm. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, Tyler gets a good run with his Liger kick
0: and a double neck spring clothesline, and his airplane spin. Then Grizzled Young Veterans start with a double team stuff, a nice netbreaker superkick combo, and Connors does a cool overhead sit-out suplex facebuster. Pete eventually gets back in the match. He x his Connors onto the apron and gets both of Grizzled Young Veterans in single leg crabs at once. Then Connors botches his slingshot, Thing to break it up, Dragon Suplex by Trent. Then Pete and Trent swing Drake into a deadlift German Suplex by Tyler Bate.
2: That's nice,
0: that was really cool. Dunn eats a Doomsday Device and Help Skelter by Zach Gibson, and then a 450 by James Drake in quick succession. But Tyler breaks up the fall with a double stomp from the top rope. Insane! Like the closing stretch of this match, is just off the chart. We then get a pile driver by Trent and the Tyler driver 97, which sets up Drake for the bitter end, but Connors comes into the match with a chair to attack Pete for the disappointing DQ finish to what was a cracking match.
2: Yeah, it was a really good match. Just having Pete come into it and making it a six-man. I'm guessing Connors has got a contract then for WWE. If this yeah, is... I think a
1: lot I think They all got them. Yeah, but that, I think there's obviously some that are paid more than others. Yeah, but yeah, I think all all of the, the the sixteen of them from last year, I think they all got contracts. Yeah, so they'll have a baseline guarantee, and yeah, I think they'll it's have like, like a, sixteen grand, I think, that they got as the baseline. Yeah, and then they still get their indie dates that they can do as well. Yeah, so they'll have been given like x amount of dates that they absolutely have to work, which is why they
0: turn up on house shows and things in the UK.
2: Got you right. All I'm thinking is that now, now with what's happening. Going forward, you would think, well, surely Pete's going to win if Connors hasn't got a contract. But, you know, if they've both got a contract, then it's a legitimate match. But, yeah, the match itself was great. I mean, the, the chemistry between everyone's brilliant. Zach Gibson's great. Seeing him at a World of Sport, it's completely different because, obviously, that's torn down, isn't it? You know, well, Yeah, he didn't have the Scouse sport, gimmick, did yeah. he? Yeah, and so seeing him come out and go against the audience and, and whatnot, that gives him that extra extra thing against the audience but yeah you know it, my favorite match of the night mm-hmm. by far Which it's just frustrating that it, it, it ended the first half and not the actual show because i think that that had been a good
1: show ender it definitely brought the atmosphere up yeah even as good as the other matches before it were yeah i think even with the women's match they were getting a little bit quiet it wasn't quite as rowdy as it had been up to that point that just brought the level right up. Mm-hmm. I think It was a good way to end a half, but I think it might have been nicer maybe being in the second half and maybe having the tag team matches, that final match of that half. But yeah, the, the, the title match, I thought it was a really, really good end to the half. And to be fair, you did need maybe 15 minutes after it just to sort of process it and, <laughs> and calm, it. Back yeah, down. Totally. calm back Yeah, <laughs> totally. As I
0: was saying, that closing stretch, yeah. I mean, just this thing as a package overall was. We, just really, really good stuff like the opening promos and mm. the run out. Like, oh, what the fuck is going on? And then it's a six man, and then they got more into the in ring stuff. And the only negative out of that whole
1: package is Connor's getting the push. I think he's a bit bland. I'm yet to be sold on him. I think that an issue that a lot of them are a lot of them look the same. A lot of them <laughs> have got a very, a very much their own. The, the same look, and it makes it difficult to try and separate them out from one another. But I, I'm still yet to be sold on Connors, I think. it's mm-hmm. Not that I'm, I'm going to write him off completely, but I certainly think, even from the, the United Kingdom Championship and these last couple of appearances he's made in progress, I'm still waiting to be sold on him. Hopefully he will, and hopefully we'll, we'll get something really, really good. I think having the United Kingdom Championship match is great, but I think it's one of those where you know he's going to win. You know Pete will win. You know yeah. Pete will retain it's nice to, to give Connors the opportunity to show what he can do in a sort of a more high-profile environment. And I get that you can't always have... You can't have the same four wrestlers fighting each other for the belt forever. So you've obviously got Mark Andrews, Trent Seven, Tyler Bate, Pete Dunne. You can't have them all just fighting. You need to open it up a little bit. And maybe with the if they, they do get round to doing the UK show next year, they're going to bring more people into it with the World of Sport thing and maybe their contracts all... Will get cancelled because there's some really, really good competitors who are at world of sport. Who I think would be great in the United Kingdom Championship. Bring all those together. So it'd be, it'd be interesting to see where they go with it. But yeah, not not sold completely on. Because yeah. your
2: disappointing thing with that title match is that you know if Pete's going to drop the title or when Pete's dropping the title, it's going to happen on a WWE program,
1: isn't it? You think so? Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, to be fair, maybe they'll be. I don't, again, I don't think he's going to win for a second, Connors, I think he's going to be Pete. But I think it would be quite a good way to, to promote, say, Progress or ICW or something mm. like that. Because especially with this deal that apparently exists to get those shows on the network, it might be in quite a nice way of, when they do get that, of promoting the, the fact that they've got these other promotions on the network is by having a title change or having a big match at one of those events. Yeah. Maybe even Wembley next year for progress. We can have a UK title match there and maybe even a title change. Speak of that, so after the match we had Pete get
0: on the mic and that was when he challenged Connors one-on-one. Then like, we didn't get anything immediately from that. Like The next show Connors faced, Flash Morgan Webster. So, like, it's this coming show in Sheffield that we're going to get the UK title match, but I just found that a bit weird, like, oh, right, okay, you got it, and then it doesn't happen immediately. Well,
2: have you seen Connor's
0: tweet? When you wanted
1: to
2: make it a title match? Yeah. All right, let me find this.
1: See, I don't know, everyone, they didn't even know whether Pete would be available with WWE commitments, because I noticed yesterday he's only just taken out bookings for January and February this year which you would find odd for someone of the, the sort of calibre of Pete Dunne, that he's not already got bookings for those months. Maybe. Well, I mean,
0: this is just the time when most people are starting to book for next year anyway. Mm. What I thought was noticeable was, so most other people like Chris Brooks, Savinia Masaro, Jeff Cobb and people like that, were like, okay, I'm taking bookings for 2018 now. Mm. Pete just went, okay, I'm taking bookings for January and February. What's going on
1: there then? Yeah, Exactly.
0: The finish, yeah, alright, was quite disappointing, but given what happens coming up the next couple of shows, Pete, everyone needed protecting him in this match, yeah. really. Gibson and Drake as a team are doing really well. Yeah. They've just kind of bonded together through their wrestling school and been building off that really, really great.
2: Okay, so I found it. Okay. So, uh, Joseph Connors tweeted saying, Pete Dunn wants me one-on-one at This Is Progress. I also want something, that being the thing he covets more than anything, the WWE UK Championship. If the championship is on the line, I grant his wish. I want that. Do I get it? And then Pete Dunn replied to it with a gif. So it's Conor McGregor saying, who the fuck is that guy? <laughs> <laughs> which I just think is hilarious.
1: <laughs> I think, to be fair, that does sum up the, the thoughts of a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> I just
2: think it's brilliant. Who the fuck is
0: that guy? No, well. <laughs> that takes us to intermission, which is a good time to do halftime question time. So, what's your favourite thing to happen in wrestling since our last episode?
2: As in, to right when, now? When
0: did, yeah, up to this point in time. Yeah, to I know well, what you're gonna fucking say anyway. I mean. <laughs> Go what do you think I'm going to say? Even <laughs> hates you! Sole survivor, <laughs> other than Braun. You
1: know. I think he did pretty well at the Series. Because really? yeah. you know, there's one thing that I think Triple H really, really needs. And I think that's some, a push. Another champion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, another, yeah. I think I, that he's been, he needs that. He's been struggling recently. Yeah. Well,
2: you know, he's going to win Dean's Continental Championship in Dubai this weekend. <laughs> oh, yeah. Facing Roman. Fuck's <laughs> <laughs> sake. No, my big thing... Is something that happened on Monday, and we finally, 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 finally got Matt Hardy to awaken from whatever deity he's been sleeping in, and he's now woken. He's definitely little... not broken. No, he's not broken. No, it's not broken.
1: know that's something else. No, he's using everything
2: else. So he's using his delete, his deletion, everything. The only thing that's changed is the broken. But I really can't wait. And to see him and Bray tweeting last year when he was still with TNA, and they had that yeah, rivalry. Yeah, well, I found that, yeah. It's almost um, a
1: year to the day as well. Is it? Oh, I think it was like the 16th of December last year, maybe, wow. that Bray sent the tweet and he was like, you know where we are. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed it. It obviously wasn't planned at the time. They're just trying to find something for him to do. I do, I do quite enjoy it, I think. It'll be interesting to see how far they take it with this one. Obviously, they got a lot of creative control when they were with TNA or Impact or whatever they called this week, oh, fuck um, it, that one. But, <laughs> but um, I think it'd be interesting to see how much leeway they get with this one. Whether they can go completely off the off the scale again like they did last year, yeah. but also you don't want to just see a rehash of the same thing mm. but with slightly higher production I mean oh, you yeah. mentioned
0: in fact another thing with the timing is they've dropped the suit over the IP to
1: it
2: yeah I think so, they just gave
1: up didn't they, they, yeah, not,
2: they it's not a battle we're going to win they're yeah. not on the money so does that mean that we could potentially see broken instead of walking it is just the
0: character so like these character traits are things that they'd have been forbidden from doing yes. whilst the suit was going on anyway so you know, even though it's a different name if they'd have tried this earlier on and said, oh, he's not broken Matt Hardy, he's just woken Matt Hardy, they'd still be like, uh, f- fuck off, it's blatantly the same yeah, thing. Yeah, like yeah. when Scott Hall turns up on Nitro oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: and he's like, you know who I am. Yeah. yeah you yeah. know? But I'd, I'd like to see him as champion. Walking Matt Hardy as champion, that would be incredible. He's definitely.
1: It would be incredible, you're right. He's definitely
2: <laughs> championship worthy, I think. Especially as that character, anyway. Intercontinental title, I think, is the level we go for here. You put it on Bray. Why can't he do it with Matt? And I, for some reason, right, I'm gonna say it here, if this comes true, you heard it first on this episode, Finn Balor is gonna be part of his little gang. Ooh.
1: The thought of that made me feel a bit ill.
2: I just, every time that Matt tweets with his capital letters and stuff, either Finn's liked it or Finn's tweeted with the same capital letters and stuff.
1: Alright. He is one of the biggest trolls going though Finn Balor. Yeah, like but it's, s- <laughs> still, it's,
2: who knows? Yeah, who knows?
0: Dave, your favourite thing to
1: happen since uh, Helen in Saw? It's tough. Right? There's, there's a few. I, I'm really enjoying Sami Zayn as a heel. Yeah, I think just him and Kevin Owens together. I love them both, and I think finally being able to them to, do, them to do something together, I think he's great. I don't know how you can be a heel with theme music as good as Sami Zayn's <laughs> because it's the best. Other than glorious, maybe it's the best theme tune that's going on at the minute. Scar is impossible to be sad, so I feel like maybe a, a theme change could do some good. But them two together are just great and Kevin Owens is just great as well so I think them being able to finally work together is going to be really good.
0: We mentioned it a little bit earlier on the show but War Games NXT TakeOver was another phenomenal show. So, yeah. Like We talked about Velveteen and Alistair in particular but just another case of the card being an overall smash for me.
1: Hmm. Um, it's one of the most consistent shows at the moment yeah. in terms of just TakeOver matches. TakeOver events are some of the best every single time that they have one. I feel like they steal the weekend each and every weekend, which is a testament both to the performers that they've got and as much (laughs) as it pains me to say it, Triple H (laughs) is obviously doing something right. Um, You've got a good mix in NXT at the minute of veterans and new wrestlers in there as well. And I think the fact that it's like a classic football team. You have the older players in there and you have the younger players and the older players can bring the younger ones up to their level. And I think the same sort of thing is happening at the minute with, with NXT. And that's not to take anything away from the, like Velveteen Dream, he's only been doing it for three years. Nothing to take away from him because he put on an amazing match. But the fact that they're teaming him with someone like Alistair Black, it helps them and it helps everything as a whole. Like If you look at the War Games match, when you've got people like Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, and then you've got the Authors of Pain, who are, again, pretty fresh in, in the scheme of things, yeah. having them all working together can only benefit all of them, and it makes for a far more entertaining product.
0: The thing about the War Games match in particular was it was good to finally see Killian Dane getting a bit of a breakout moment. He's Definitely, always yeah. been on the periphery in terms of sanity. And yeah, I
1: mean, he had a good run in the, the Andre the Giant battle royale didn't he yeah, at wrestlemania yeah. and then sort of just that sort of blended into the background for a little bit and mm-hmm. sanity the focus seemed to be from my perspective a lot of it to do with say eric young and now when we get to the the war games he got a really really good push i think especially during that match with that like, his coast to was great yeah and i think think little things like that definitely going to help him eating the key moves. as well <laughs> yeah still don't know how I did that, or where that key is, or, or anything.
0: <laughs> when I saw that, I was thi- I'm thinking, oh, I'm, I'm surprised there wasn't a cage match in the Attitude Era where some lad swallowed the key and then mankind
2: goes fishing in <laughs> yeah. with Socko. Or it would have been mankind that would have eaten the key. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> All right, so we come back from intermission, and Jim spots that someone on the balcony has one of the replica Progress Tag Team title belts. I admire his candor. He was like, fuck, oh, that's
1: expensive. We saw this guy before, didn't we? Because he had a Lycos mask. Yes. We thought it was his bike helmet <laughs> yeah. from the way that he had it on his head. I was like, Why was that guy got his bike helmet on? And then we realised it was a Lycos mask. Yeah.
0: <laughs> this cues a bit on how nobody buys the replica hardcore title because they're frightened of the 24 7 rule.
1: Best rule they've ever had in WWE, that. I loved it. Oh, I love that, and they should bring it back. I've seen people say it loads of times with like YouTube and with the internet. They need to bring that back, and they need to have like a twenty-four hour, like anything goes belt. Absolutely love that. You don't get matches these days where you have ten title changes in five minutes, mm. and I feel that's something that might be being missed.
0: I don't know. Have you ever seen any of the, the Iron Man Championship from DDT Pro? It's the same gimmick, really, 24-7, and mm. all sorts of people and all inanimate objects have become champion. So, like, a table wound up being the champion, and Joy
2: Ryan had to go and beat the table with penis or something. I don't know. Like, I don't know <laughs> you what know, he usually Jeez. does. <laughs> that just reminded me, what was the video on Twitter? I think you retweeted it. It was one of the guys from the Cruiserweight... Is it not Japanese Ibushi? Promotion. It, Ibushi? Ibushi, and he's on this slide. Yeah, yeah.
0: What the hell is that? Yeah.
1: They regularly do outdoor matches and stuff at DDT, yeah. They've done matches on trains yeah. that, that are moving. There was one that I saw that was in a house, like <laughs> an abandoned house, and I'm pretty sure it was Kota Ibushi, German suplex, someone through a wall in the house. <laughs> wow. yeah.
0: yeah, they're like forests and shit, and they had an empty baseball stadium match with uh, Minaro Suzuki. They're good for that kind of thing. You know how Drew Gulak's got this whole PowerPoint shtick? Yeah. That all started off in DDT Pro as well. Oh. They had like a they had a president of DDT Pro position and people would have to audition for it with a, a presentation saying what they're gonna do for DDT Pro. <laughs> <laughs> Hiroshi Tanahashi turned up once and ran for it as well. Wow.
2: It's madness. <laughs> yeah.
0: Jim then tries to put over referee Chris Roberts for his Super Mario Odyssey skills and to quote Jim, It's not fucking working.
1: I don't think he'll ever get over Chris. I think he's just got to accept. He'll always get booed. In Attack (laughs) Pro,
0: he is really, really popular and he's a good guy. Which blew my mind. I was in Attack, the night of Survivor Series, they streamed one of their shows for free on Facebook Live. I was watching it. I'm like, I thought it was Cheers to Chris Roberts. What? What parallel universe have I jumped into here? You know. I uh, got any favourite referees in wrestling? Mike Chioda. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Mine was always Earl Hebner, just because he was. You knew when you were a kid, you knew that if he turned up, it was going to be a big match, and you knew something was going on. I also love the fact that he got sacked because he was selling his own merch. <laughs> yeah. That that just takes everything up. He's now he's with whatever impact are called these days. Oh, has he not just been released from that?
0: Well, since they started doing shows in Ottawa, they were like, oh yeah, we'll just use local referees instead mm. and sacked all of the referees they used in Orlando, so yeah. I'm not sure. But yeah, he never stood for any shit. I loved no. it. He's like, knock it off! Knock it off! I'm sick of it! But then he'd get knocked out. Yeah, he'd <laughs> get battered. <laughs> uh. The opening contest of the second half of the show, our fifth match of the evening, is for the Progress Tag Team Championship. The champions, CCK, the pairing of Chris Brooks and Kid Lycos, defending against Ringkampf, Timothy Thatcher, and the Progress Atlas champion, Valter. Yeah, CCK, if you're not familiar with them already, they're the best boys with all the sick fucking tag team moves. They debuted in Progress at a Manchester chapter show and the reaction was just incredible. It's really distracting on the video on demand because our friend Carl, who works with the Raw is Now Nitro podcast, is right there. He's like, oh, oh! You can't believe it. Carl. <laughs> uh, predominantly work in WXW in Germany. Uh, they've become sort of cult favourites in progress, especially for their awesome theme music. Mm. There should be more classical theme music in wrestling.
2: It's gotta fit a certain character, has not it? Well, for sure, yeah. yeah. But
0: yeah, cool. when Jack Gallagher first came to Progress, he used that theme. Really? That Ring Camp have? Really? Yeah, it's so strange because mm-hmm. he he was in the match the same time as Big Daddy Volta was in the match as well. And it's like <laughs> you you're not what
1: <laughs> a similar sort of thing is that is there, if you go back to like mid nineties WWF. I can't remember it was, but someone used Kurt Angle's theme.
0: Oh, yes, a couple of people did, yes. And, and then I think so it was seeing, The Patriot. Yeah, that was it, yeah. yeah. So then
1: seeing The Patriot come out and you're like, no, nah, that's not his music. <laughs> what, what, what's, what's happening here? Weird to think of that music being associated for anybody other than Kurt Angle. So yeah. To see that sort of thing, it's a similar sort of thing. So These are some
0: of the things that... Become prominent like recycled from before. Mm. Like Brock Lesnar's theme song was uh, one of the teams in the XFL's themed songs. Right. Wow,
1: okay.
0: So this is a, another face versus face match. They start off with a handshake, but CCK jump the bigger ring camp at the start. So it kind of not okay. Maybe they're gonna work slightly as the bad guys in this mm. one. Lycos naturally shits himself when Walter tags into the match. He had this thing going on on social media before, and I'm like, I'm definitely going to brainbuster Walter in this match, lads. I'm definitely going to do it. Like, Good
1: luck with that. Yeah. Because he tries it here, and he just gets thrown away and chopped to buggery. Yeah, a lot of this match was just like us getting thrown around. Yeah. And it's easy to do, because he is tiny. But I think, yeah, a lot of this match was dedicated to just, let's see how far we can throw him. Yeah.
0: Brooks tagged in and does that minging wet willy thing in the Steiner recliner. Yeah. When Thatcher got out of that, slapped the piss out of him and then started going after his shoulder brace, which is something I've not seen before. Mm. Spot of a match, quite possibly spot of the night, then came when Volta gorilla-pressed Lycos over the top rope and into an uppercut from Thatcher. Yeah, I thought he was dead. It's, oh, my Lord.
1: He's good with a cell. You need to be in these sort of matches because mm. it's unrealistic to think that he's going to get any sort of offence in. I think that they handled it really well. I think it was an enjoyable match. You're restricted with what you can do, but I think they, they, all four of them did really, really well in this match. Like, I'm not a massive CCK fan. I've probably not seen enough of them yet, but they don't like strike me. So, some wrestlers, you see them and straight away. You like them, you, you, you find things about them that you love. I think at the minute I'm still a little bit unsold on CCK. But it was a really, really good match to see.
0: Yeah. I think Ringkampf were doing really well in this match, especially like the way they controlled it with their suplexes. Mm. And Volta did this really cool thing where he, he hooked Brooks in a sleeper just to like, get him in close enough for a German. That looked really cool. Hot tags near the end with Volta and Lycos pairing up. Volta gets sent into the second rope for a cannonball. And then both CCK hit successive helos to the outside. There's a victory roll facebuster and dropkick combo, which gets a near fall for the champions. Then Volta fights back with a huge shotgun dropkick and a powerbomb. Lycos Hurricane Rana's Facture, and Brooks gets a slingshot cutter on Volta. Then Lycos he doesn't brainbuster Volta, but he does brainbuster Facture. And then the sick fucking tag move gets a free for the champions to retain. So,
2: CCK is still your champions. Thoughts on the match in general? I wasn't quite sure on CCK. Ring camp were really good. I thought they, they worked really well together. I don't know, something something was a bit amiss with CCK. They seemed good in their single spots that they did, but as a tag team, I don't know, something was a bit off. But the the match was good.
1: Yeah, Dave? Yeah, I guess, like I said, I'm not 100% sold. I think their tag reign has been a little bit that cluster so mm. far and then spoilers for the next progress show but then they lost them two grizzled young vets and I think that's gonna be really really interesting because I think especially with Lycos now injured for the foreseeable future it lends itself to quite a good story of them coming back at some point maybe as a surprise return I know that they only did that a few months ago when they debuted in progress but I think sometimes things like that see how it's always easy to be over as a face into if you've got a heel team that you're up against. Mm. So I'd be surprised if, say, Mustache Mountain got the titles back. I think it's now time for us to start with something new. I think maybe, hopefully, with them chasing, CCK chasing for the title, they'll be much better and they'll sort of win me and Kyle over yeah. to their
0: yeah. side. I'm, it's really surprising to me because like, all of our, our timeline on Twitter is just full of resounding praise for them. This mm. is the yeah. like, the most... I've seen like people not keen on them. I like I enjoy them. It was weird for me, like so I first saw them at Fight Club Pro Show and they're bad guys. And like when they debuted in progress it was this big cathartic like oh they finally did it, they finally made it but like all of the other promotions they were working for they're like predominantly bad guys, so it was a bit weird for me. I mean like I say, Lycos has had terrible luck with his injuries. Yes, like yeah. this match was like just his first back from his wrist injury and then he went and re injured himself at the next title defence, which mm. when they wound up losing the belts to Grizzled Young Vets. I mean like I really I like this match. They had a good dynamic going. Watching it live in the ballroom I thought the finish felt a little bit flat, but it came across a fair bit better on video under yeah, life. Yeah, it was Good in general, yeah. Yeah. Match number six sees Flash Morgan Webster taking on Keith Lee. Keith Lee's first time at a progress show in Manchester. So he's naturally very well-liked. He's the current WWN champion. Really, really big lad with... Really, really big chops and big power moves, as we come to see. Just don't confuse him with a town in West Yorkshire.
1: <laughs> I still love the idea of someone taking Keith Lee to Keeley <laughs> and, and seeing how he reacts with that. Flash Morgan
0: Webster is the second Natural Progression Series winner and regular face on the UK Indies. Yeah, he's a bit of an almost man in progress recently. He didn't really get his title opportunity from winning Natural Progression, and he's been on a bit of a losing streak so far. So yeah, this match is him trying to like step up and show that he can still have some relevancy. Fans at the start chanting for a test of strength, and Flash is like, you said, "Seriously? Because <laughs> they like measured up to each other, and Flash couldn't even reach <laughs> <getting laughs> the top there of his hand." good foot of distance. <laughs> yeah. They wind up getting serious and Flash gets thrown around the ring and just gets caught on the outside from a suicide dive and casually tossed into some chairs. Keith Lee just runs the show at the start of this match, laying in the chops,
2: and boy, are they brutal. Yeah, they are (laughs) nasty-sounding.
1: I'm not convinced that that Flash's chest didn't cave in at some point with some of those chops that were going off. They were like gunshots. Oh,
0: my goodness. Yeah, fascist gets tossed around again and again, but starts to get more success when he sticks and moves and regains the advantage. And when his moonsault is caught out of midair, he spins it around into a DDT. But he only got a one count.
2: I don't understand how he's still
1: alive after messing <laughs> this match. No, I would be a bit interested to know what it was like the next day. I mean we've seen when Keith Lee's
0: wrestled say Travis Banks and the state of Travis's chest after the match. Mm. Just, oh my goodness. Flash does have some success with a pair of suicide dives and a Hilo start building some momentum but then it's cut off by one simple forearm by Keith Lee. Mm. Yeah, just, the story of this match is just glorious. His Feynman's carry is, however, turned into a reverse Hurricane Rana by Flash. Yeah, more well than that, that was fantastic. Lee blocks a guillotine choke, and then bodies flash waves and strikes, a double chop and the spirit bomb, but Flash kicks out. He flips with V's in Defiance, only to get finished with the ground zero fireman's carry jackhammer. So Keith Lee wins an absolutely brutal match. I think this is probably my favourite match, like I think the whole package revolving around British strong style was probably the strongest point in the show, but this was like my favourite for pure in ring storytelling Mm. and stuff. Mm. This is absolutely how a big man little man match should be worked. Mm. You know, the big guy is dominant, he brutalises the smaller guy, the smaller guy has to stick and move, pick their spots, be wily, and resort to some really drastic stuff like the reverse Rana Mm. to get back in the match. So I enjoyed this tremendously. What do you guys think?
1: Same as you, don't. It was a perfect example of how to do that big guy versus little guy match mm-hmm. without being unrealistic about it. Neither of these these two are, are new to, to wrestling. They both know exactly what they need to do to make a, a good match, and that's exactly what they did. Not quite my favourite match, but definitely the strongest one in that second half. Yeah. I did really, really
2: enjoy it. Absolutely, Kyle. It reminded me of, you know when a baby takes the favourite teddy bear to bed? <laughs> Oh yeah, it's like Keith Lee is just dragging him oh, no. along. <laughs> it's that sort of you know I'm here I'm gonna win the match you can try and do your best but it's you know it's not gonna happen <laughs> I, I really enjoyed the match thought it was good I, I liked the whole never quit and the flipping the V's right at the very end you mm-hmm. know kind of like fuck you but you just didn't have enough in the tank. I I, I did. I really, really enjoyed the match.
0: Yeah, I, I think to your point there, it was if you're going to have Flash lose this match and still have credibility, this is definitely the correct way to do it. For yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. So that then leaves us with our main event of the evening for the Progress World Championship, the champion Travis Banks defending against White Lightning Mark Andrews. Travis is the winner of the Super Strong Style 16 this year. It's a 16-man tournament to get a title shot at the Alexandra Palace show. He beat Pete for the belt at that show. And since then, he's been on a bit of a redemption tour, trying to get wins back from people that beat him before his title shot. And Mark Andrews won a title shot at that Alexandra Palace show and is getting his opportunity here tonight. I was saying, I was watching old progress shows... Just recently, seeing the one where Travis first appears and he appears in a South Pacific power couple match, and people are actually chanting, Who are you, I uh, am?
1: <laughs> 12 months later. And tw- yeah, 12 months later, he's yeah. the
0: champion. He's like one of the top breakthrough stars in British wrestling.
1: Definitely, yeah. I mean, if, even if you look at not even just with progress, but even with PWG in America, he was part of Bowler this year. There was him. Flash Morgan Webster was part of that. Um, TK Cooper, if he'd not got injured, he would have been part of that as well. It just shows that even just being in, in anywhere close to the UK scene is really, really good. It seems to be at the minute to, to push you on to bigger and better things. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's a shame what happened to TK really. Mm. Yeah, it
1: would be good to see what happens when when TK comes back. I'm. Sure, have they had their title shot yet? Because when they left, when TK and Dali went back to New Zealand, they were given a title shot. Well, that was the was match that, that TK broke his leg. I think. Was that one. Yeah, right. yeah.
0: It was either in Progress, New York, New or Boston. York, I think it was. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely keen to see what happens when they're back. Because mm. again, they've been pushing on really well with Darlie. It was a singles performer too. Yeah. Like Darlie and TK as a tag team, the teamwork's just phenomenal. It blew me away. So I'd be interested. Maybe they split off as an intergender tag team while Travis keeps his championship, and you yeah. um, know there's lots of different directions that could go in. Mm. So, again, this is another babyface versus babyface match. So, there's a both these guys chant at the start, and uh, does does that irritate you as much as me?
1: Both uh, these guys? um, No, it doesn't. But you don't want to see it happen all the time in terms of face versus face. You need to have that dynamic where you've got a good guy and a bad guy for me because it makes it difficult to get as invested in the match when you're not too bothered about the outcome of it with me I, I, I was 100% behind Mark Andrews in this match I absolutely love Mark Andrews and I know there's a theme with the wrestlers that I like are all the high flying ones but I, I do really 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 enjoy Mark Andrews not that I dislike Travis but for me I think because having watched the majority of this, the progress stuff that I've watched is the older stuff and you seeing Mark come through from Natural progression Series winner to being the champion for like all of three minutes before before he lost it. He's got that underdog, underdog story down to a T, and I really, really like that about him. And it doesn't help that his theme song is brilliant as well.
0: Mark's kind of fallen into this role, kind of like a cane or a, I'm trying to think of another like equivalent of like, mainstream wrestling, but you know, he, he's. He's a former champion. It's easy for him to get thrown back into a title scene, yeah. and you know he can boost someone's title reign quite easily. Yeah, and put on a, a convincing match. No, I mean, like just to clarify, I'm not against people showing love to two wrestlers in a match and you know sharing sharing appreciation. It's just that both these guys chant this, Yeah. Like you know, like oh, you're just communicating that you've. Zoned out of this match as far as yeah. who you're investing in. Yeah, I got that. Like
2: you, you, you would more like to see, or you, you tend to see more of half of them chant one name, half of them chant another. Mm. You know, when it's face against face, I tend to like to choose one anyway. I'd, I'd rather invest in one person for them to win than think I don't mind who wins. Because then, for me, I, I would zone out because I, I would always want a winner. So, like Dave, I I really wanted Mark Andrews to win. Just because I knew Mark Andrews, I knew what he was about, I've seen a lot of his matches. So I was just invested in Mark Andrews.
0: We start this match off with a lot of really, really good mat wrestling. It gradually quickens the pace ever so slightly, more and more as it went along. And then it culminated in a pair of hurricane runners by Mark and three suicide dives by Trav. I just really like his suicide dives, like... There's so many people, especially when doing repeated suicide dives where it's just like leaping into holding hands with someone, he still has the conviction to follow through properly. And you know, you can totally do that and be safe if you pick the right spot.
2: Yeah.
0: Like you know, for a landing. Andrews gets a side effect, a wheelbarrow bulldog, and the Northern Light suplex, but Banks rolls out with a kick, only for his springboard to get turned into a power bomb out of midair. That's cool. Both men trade sunset foot counters that only get one count, and that went on forever. Travis gets a shotgun drop kick and a double stomp to the back and a springboard buzzsaw kick, but he eats the stung Dog Millionaire. Just, why do people even bother trying to suplex Mark Andrews? It's beyond me.
2: It's such a weird thing to see. Just from, like, a, a standpoint of the way he's going to land and the way he's he portrays the The move, it's just really bizarre. Mm. It is what it is. Yeah,
0: Mark gets a second rope 450 splash for a two cow, and then a clothesline and the kiwi crusher get Banks in the airfall as well. Mark cooks off Banks's springboard and scores with a top rope reverse Hurricane Ratner. Shit, that was a mouthful. And then gets the shooting star press, but he only gets two, and then immediately from the kick out. Travis locks in the Lions Club submission and gets the tap out to retain his championship.
2: Thoughts on the match? Really good. A lot of good spots again. Really, really like Mark Andrews. I think he's really good. As for Travis, first time I've seen him. So, you know, for for a first time watching him, he's good. There's a lot for me to, to watch now going forward. And yeah, really good chemistry, really good manoeuvres. You can tell that they trust each other, which is good, like with the suicide dives and stuff like that. But yeah, overall, a good match.
1: Yeah, yeah Dave? I, I enjoyed the match. I thought it ended a bit quickly. I thought that, especially with, with Mark being on the, the offensive for so long, to then for then Travis just to pull out the win out of nowhere there's obviously two ways of looking at it you can say well that's why he's a champion he can get wins out of nowhere like last minute sort of thing but for me the the final third of the match was rushed compared to the the previous parts of the match and when it was over it was just sort of oh right it's finished now and with what happens next i was expecting that to occur during the match i said this to Ah, kyle beforehand Mm. that i was maybe expecting that to be a way of maybe protecting Mark Andrews, but then you've also got to try and build up Travis as well, and you've got to try and build up this, make his his championship reign mean something, by, like you said, beating the people that he was beaten by previously. Mark Andrews doesn't really need, in all honesty, that much protection, because he's going to get over anyway. He's an ex-Progress champion, albeit for two minutes, but he did beat Rampage Brown for that, which was someone on his side was, was really really impressive yeah and that he can still move from on from that
0: yeah I, I share a few of your issues with this i thought it was a very good sprint uh, i wish it would have just gone on for a little bit longer really the finish as you say it felt a bit sudden and a bit flat live i'm just not a fan of these finishes where you have these immediate counters after someone's hit their finisher. Hmm. It's like at No Mercy 2008 when Jeff Hardy was fighting Triple H! And Jeff hit the swanton bomb and then Triple H immediately cradled him yep. to get the win. That kills that finisher! Yeah,
2: Still a good pin though. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why. Going back to what we, we were talking about previously about the, the UK guys from WWE. Yeah. Is them being signed to WWE causing them not to have any progress championships? Like with Mark Andrews being signed up. Pete and Trent and
0: Tyler had them all and there was no problem.
2: No, well, pre- previously though, because like since they've signed up, they, they had the belts but then they've dropped them because now they can go off on tour and well, stuff. Well, I
0: think, yeah, I mean, I think maybe, like, in this latter half of the year, yeah. that's perhaps what's happening. Like, they're starting to prepare for maybe WWE want them on a slightly more permanent basis. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, like, the earlier half of the year, they were fine. They had the belts for ages yeah. whilst they were on WWE TV. And it was grand. Yeah, grand. Yeah, this is perhaps trying to get a the scene to have a chance to kind of move away a bit from British Strong style and, you know, call people up into other spots. Yes, well, that can only be a good thing as well though. Yeah. So you don't want to
1: be too heavily reliant on the old faces because then when they do leave, you then screw yourself over. Similar thing with how WWE have got the minute when they lost The Rock and they lost Austin. They'd already sort of brought, brought Lesnar up to really, try The and... No, I'm not missing
2: the... <laughs> okay, <really>. When <laughs> He's not gone away. He never <laughs> left. He never left. <laughs>
1: so that's the problem. Um, but they they didn't have initially they didn't have anyone there to take over and you don't want to get stuck in and they they went for a similar thing with John Cena as well they didn't really have anyone to take over and that was why they had to push Roman and that's when you got the backlash from it so you want to make sure that they, they, they work far enough in advance to know what's going to happen they know whether people are going to be suddenly disappearing and whether they're not going to be able to use them but they have also got a really good working relationship with the WWE, yeah. so it would appear that you can they could probably get around. Or can you not just lend them to us for a little bit longer? And I wouldn't have thought that it would prevent them from putting titles on people only if they know that they're not going to be there to. If their their plan is to have someone have quite a long title reign, yeah, which you had with Pete. Whether we'll have the same thing with Travis, I don't know, but. You'd like to think that they get given enough warning that they can try and plan things that's not going to get affected by. Yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Absolutely, other than a not. few
0: things with the tag team titles, progress do seem to favour strong championship reigns that mm. last quite a long time. But yeah, I mean, like the the promo that British Strong Style cut at the previous chapter show at fifty six that was kind of their way of conditioning you to expect, well, okay, you might not see them around quite as much anymore, Mm. I guess. So, when you're like, okay, well, they're still on the card in Sheffield and stuff, it's like, oh, right, good, more. Yeah. As you mentioned earlier, Dave, the closing of this match, the two competitors were celebrating, but then out comes Eddie Dennis, the former FSU teammate of Mark Andrews, who turned on him at Chapter 55, he batters everyone with his finishes and lays his claim for the Championship a title match that he's going to get at the upcoming Sheffield show.
1: I really like Eddie Dennis, I think especially in his early progress stuff with FSU. They were the first tag team champions, they him and Mark, and I really like the story that they're playing out between those two. Before the heel turn, he was a bit of an underdog, Eddie Dennis. In that he was still teaching, he was doing this as a hobby, and then
2: you were saying all this to me. Yeah,
1: so and then only a few months ago, sort of August time, he decided to then start doing this full time, yeah. and it's nice to see promotions having faith in him, mm-hmm. and and him not being sort of just left to go by the wayside. I think I really like it, the fact that he's getting a title shot. He, he's inserted himself straight into the main event. And they've done it quite naturally as well, quite organically. It doesn't feel like he's suddenly just been forced into it. With obviously the interchange that him and Mark had at Chapter 55 and that leading into that, as I said to Kyle before we got there on on the day, I was expecting to see him interfere in the main event. But then you've got, again, like I said before, you've got to protect your champion. I really do find it interesting that he tapped both of them. I think that's quite a good way to go about it. And he's it he it should, he should have a really good match. This, this title match. Don't think he'll win it, but he should have a really good match.
0: No, I don't think he's going to win. Like I took a wee bit to sell me on him as a singles performer, really. It was when he faced Pete at the previous Manchester show, right, just right after he started working full-time. That was a blistering match and it's like, yeah, okay, I'm all in for this. Progress tend to be really, really good in terms of their turns and stuff and yeah. the way they play on your emotions. So like you're saying, when he first quit his teaching job and became a full-time pro wrestler. They had a little video highlighting that change and like really making you sympathise with him,
1: mm. and then two months later bam, turns on Mark. I thought his, his promo that he released on YouTube as well was brilliant leading up to that match, or leading up to, to Chapter 56. The promo that he caught was, was the best, one of the best I've seen all year, and what was great about it is that you can sort of see where he's coming from with it. I feel like when, when a heel cuts a promo, some of the best ones are the ones where it's not just like, oh, well, the, he, he gets more than me or whatever. There was some real heart in it. We well, you I can relate to and, it a little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I thought that yeah. really made... And, and the, the the performance that he gave as well just totally, totally sold you on it and totally sold you on this, this sort of new heel Eddie Dennis that you haven't perhaps seen quite as much of before.
2: Yeah.
0: So, thoughts on the show overall then? What was your favourite match and who was your standout performer?
2: Favourite match was the 6-1 tag. Performer would be Pete Dunne, because I didn't expect to see Pete Dunne, and I fell in love with Pete Dunne when I saw him at the UK Championships. So, yeah, I just thought that that match was really good. The, The start of it when it was just a tag and Gibson with his talking to the crowd and mm. the whole reaction that Tyler had and Trent had you know falling to sleep because he was boring and you know the whole end segment of the first half from start to finish was definitely the highlight the rest of the show was was great but for me that was that was the standout
1: mm-hmm. yeah Dave I think for me my, my favourite match probably a tie between Doug Williams and Joe Coffey and I'd probably say that the main event after all I said and done, I know I said it be finished quickly, but I think, as I said, the lead up to that was great, especially with the the, the Doug Williams match. Just to see how someone of his age can still go, and it went toe to toe with someone like Joe Coffey, who's much younger. If you look at all the other matches, there was a lot of gimmicks, as I said before, in the the other matches. So You've got mm-hmm. like your high flying matches, you've got your big guy versus your small guy, and that 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 match was two big lads up against each other. Just hitting the shit out of each other. And it was great, and I loved it for that.
0: For me, this was a really enjoyable show. Very consistent from an in ring standpoint. Some of the finishes were a little bit flat, I thought. Just held it back from being like one of their best shows in Manchester. And usually, there's like an absolutely blow away match, so it's like, oh my god, I can't believe I've seen that. Like, don't get me wrong, everything was good to very good here. Just. There just wasn't that completely mind-blowing moment for me, but still, excellent stuff all round in general. My favourite match uh, again, got to go with Flash versus Keith Lee just the storytelling in that fantastic. Standout performer, just for the command of the crowd it's a tie between Zach Gibson and Trent Seven for me like the, the opening promo and then how that led into the match as well and just Really, really good stuff. It's just a pleasure to see. Just in general regarding progress, if you want to go and check out this show in particular or just anything to do with progress, head to I think demand progress.com and it's $7.99 a month, which is about like £5.50 or something a month. Well worth a look if you ever want a little bit of something different. Lots of great content on there and not just from progress as well. It's stuff from Smash WXW, and sort of promotion in Chile, and Melbourne City Wrestling. Lots of good stuff. That'll wrap it up for our show for this week. Remember you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud, and Stitcher Radio. Why not give us a five star review, or a rating or something? Yeah, be nice. Help us out with a bit of <laughs> exposure. We're on Twitter, at TNW Podcast. Give us a follow where we're most active. We're also on Facebook. Trying to get a bit more we a well. a little bit
2: active there. Yeah
0: <laughs> I'm sure there's something else I'm supposed to say.
2: Well normally it's see you down the road. <laughs> oh yeah, next
0: term! Yeah. I wish we could do like an end of year episode at some point
2: but we'll have to see how that Yeah that'd be quite cool. Yeah. It's like last year. Just wrapping the year up as a whole.
0: Alright, so good stuff, lads. Um, catch you down the road. So, just goodbye from Kyle. Yeah. Goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye from Dave. Cheers for coming on. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for having me. And uh, I'll catch you later. See you, everyone.
1: I think obviously with Jeff getting injured they've had to find something for Matt to do. Um but I do really enjoy the fact that it is
2: We'll we'll redo this in a minute. <laughs> <then>. <laughs> <laughs>